<laughs> Welcome to the Good Writing Podcast, everybody. Welcome to the Good Writing Podcast. On today's episode, we discuss Live Blog by Megan Boyle, the enormous 800-page piece of auto-fiction, part memoir, part novel, uh, that uh, really, really captured my heart when I first read it and is an excellent examination of an author um, writing directly and without filter to their audience, I think. Yeah. Word. It's it was really charming. Like mm-hmm. no joke in this no joke in this intro. This was a really charming book. <laughs> yeah, Emily's not making fun of my pick this time, which means I chose well. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, so it, it's a good episode about a great piece of reading. Um, so I really hope you guys enjoy. All right, bye everybody. Enjoy the episode. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Well, hi, I Emily. I know I made it. <laughs> you made it. Made it just in time. Hi, Ben. <laughs> Eked in that time.is clap. For anyone new to mm. podcasting mm-hmm. and who doesn't listen to too many, like, homebrew podcasts, um, all of us go to a website called time.is mm-hmm. and we just say clap at a certain time and we use the, like, spike in the audio waveform to align our audio. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want everyone to know that Every week, I have made the same joke, <laughs> which is, we'll say, okay, let's clap at 20, like 20 seconds or whatever, and I'll wave my hands in the air, and I'll say, gotta get the clappers ready, and then I clap on the on the moment, and Ben laughs at clappers every week, you know, for, for, a, for a connoisseur, for someone with, with, with eleva- elevated taste, the guy just <laughs> likes the clappers joke. Man, it, it's it's inherently funny. It's inher- The word clappers, the double P is doing so much work. Okay, fuck the reading that I brought in today. We're going to just talk about <laughs> the inherent humor Let's of certain analyze. words. Um, clappers. Get my clappers ready. Get clappers ready. <laughs> Round of applause. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. But no, it just always delights. It's a, it's a, it's a fun word. I, I'm happy to hear it. It lets me know it's podcast time. It gets me in the in the mindset. Like, and... I've Pavloved Ben with a, with with by calling our clap, by calling my hand spreading for the clap, my clappers, <laughs> and also by telling him that I have to prepare my hands to clap, that I couldn't just go straight from not prepared to clapping. Yeah, but that's kind of true. I, I feel like you got to prepare the hands to clap a little bit. Like if it's gonna be time, you got to be ready. It's like all right, this is gonna sting a little. I gotta know that. Mm. Like, mm. That's true. I do like to know going in if I'm going to cause myself injury. Yeah, mm. exactly. Points. Prepare the body, prepare the mind. It all it all links up. Anyway, I'm glad, to, I'm glad you're here on this episode of Good Writing <laughs> that we have already derailed. Um, I love to take that train right off those tracks. How was writing this week, Ben? <laughs> oh, I did not. This week has been so p- fucking depressing for me that I... I I couldn't do it. I, I was giving myself a balm and playing video games and spending time with my wife and not, I did not write. Yeah. Good man. Was it work and international news and such? Yeah. The combination of the two. The international news hit me really hard. Like, I don't know, just speaking honestly, like I got, I, I, I was, I still am scared. Like I, I got scared about this. I, I'm nervous about nato's ramp up like i'm nervous about what this means for the the future and what warfare is going to look like in europe and beyond that at this point which is you know 
problematic in its own right because it's not like we have not been it at war constantly for the past you know 30 years like um, drone strikes baby you know i wonder what this episode will sound like when it airs in two weeks yeah um (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) i wonder what two weeks from now ben and emily will will feel um i suspect uncertainty will still be in the mix though unfortunately but hopefully better hopefully better on that stuff rooting for better on lighter news of what what's been going on with you Mm -hmm. um did you do it? Did you actually? Did you and Dan actually take a day off work? Oh yeah. To play the new video game. Oh yeah, yeah. That it was exactly <laughs> what I needed because that Thursday was the invasion, and then I was like, "Well, oh. I am going to just play Elden Ring now. I am going to spend all day playing Elden Ring, and that's what we did, and it was awesome." <laughs> Hell yeah! I want to say as a special treat for fellow childless adults. <laughs> take a day off work for 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 that that's that's amazing yeah yeah Uh, specifically for elden ring if you if you have the a thing that you can play elden ring on and you are not doing so i highly recommend it it's very good cool yeah is it on the switch by the way it is not on the switch it's gonna be pc you know ps4 ps5 Mm -hmm. if you have a playstation 4 that that'll run it for sure but I love that you think I have. I don't. I haven't had a PlayStation since two. Um, <laughs> oh, you. Well, I thought you played Kingdom Hearts three on something. I Daniel lent me his PlayStation uh, four so I could play Kingdom Hearts okay. three, and then my roommate Jackie also then later had a PlayStation four, and I started playing. I don't recall which game. One of the Assassin's Creeds, an Odyssey one. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a pretty casual user these days. Okay. So I'm yeah. just waiting for my next Breath of the Wild. <sighs> I will table mm-hmm. the video game I was about to talk about for our recommendations at the end of the Ooh. episode. Stay tuned to the nice. end of the episode for my video rec- game recommendation. Ooh, love it. Hell uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> previewing. Um, I also, un- unshockingly, did not have an uh, impressive week of writing. Um, not not due to international crises, though. This is just my usual performance is p- pretty middling. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I even set out... So for, for like a month now, Ben and I have set out to, to do 15 minutes of writing a day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's advice that my thesis advisor from my MFA program, Becca McKay, from Florida Atlantic University, gave to me, which was, um, if you just can set out and designate 15 minutes a day where you write for at least 15 minutes, mm-hmm. if you write for more, that's awesome. If you, you know, only do 15, then you did it, you wrote that day, you're still a writer. Yes. So that sounds like really achievable advice mm-hmm. that I have simply failed it, to achieve months on end. <laughs> it it sounds like that. Why is it so hard to do that? Why is it so hard? I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, I'm sure mostly lack of willpower yeah. for me, but um, I, I even this week set out like with intentionality to try to do more days. And I think mm-hmm. I only hit two still. Um, it's just, yeah. What, what I don't understand is we are both people that exercise, which is, like, yes. a habit formed. Like, and, yes. like, I don't love exercising most of the time I do it, but I do oh, it. Really? Like, yeah, it's, it's really hit or miss for me. Like, I'll have good runs, but also there are days where I'm just on the treadmill and I wish I was off, but I'm just like, I'm gonna fucking get this done. Like, yeah. Um, but I, I'm consistent. I, I will work out pretty much every weekday. So that it, it's rare oh, that I cool. miss one. Like, but this... 
for far less time, far less devotion to 15 yes. minutes to a thing that I have, like, had moments while doing that I have felt truly, like, profound and connected to something larger than myself. Can't make myself mm-hmm. do it for shit. Think about it and go, mm, too hard. <laughs> like... Mm, too hard. And also something that we both, like, put our lives on pause yeah. for three years in order to get terminal degrees yep. in. Uh, yep. <laughs> to say I what want is... to learn how to take it seriously. Yeah. <laughs> I swear to God, this is going to be the week. This is the yep. week, Ben. This upcoming week is the All week. Right. All right. And a little bonus to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I have a workshop yes. deadline. Yeah. This weekend. Mm-hmm. I said the deadline was Friday. In reality, it's, no, I'm not going to have anything tomorrow. Okay. So, <laughs> but we have a, we have a deadline. So yes. this I think will help. Yes. Um, ben, let's try something new. I would like to text each other i did my 15 minutes a day every day this week okay okay let's go for it let's fucking go i'm here for it yes l f g yes okay Okay. yes cool good writing podcast fans tune in next week and if you would like to do this with us via twitter Mm. um you can just add us on twitter every day you're welcome to it yep yeah (laughs) happy to interact babes yep we would love (laughs) we would love to hear from you i i know that there are people out there listening that that hear the podcast it enters their ears and they and some of you have privately sent me via text your opinions what about publicly just saying we let's get some stuff going <laughs> friends friends that i know i'm specifically calling you out chase <laughs> <laughs> Chase, I swear, Trace, you better you better protect your own life here, man. I can't protect you from this. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Um, cool. We are both not yeah. doing our fifteen minutes yeah. a day. This is the week. This is this the week. This is the week. This is it. We're gonna start doing it. Good writing podcast fans, please uh also develop willpower with us this week yeah. if if you're on our pages. Please. Please. Yeah, all right. Do you, so you said you got two days, though, which, congrats. Good on getting two. Thank you, sir. Like, yes. Thank you, mm-hmm. sir. So, good. Yeah. Good there. Yeah. Anything that you're working on, or is it still just kind of finding? God, that same damn short story. Yeah. Well, our our last week's episode on, on Chekhov and Occasion for Story was mm-hmm. actually really relevant to what I've been working mm-hmm. on. Um, I think that I need to get outside of my head and rely on my workshop friends to tell me if it feels like the story doesn't matter rather Mm. than like cutting myself down and giving up on it or Mm. scratching it Mm. or just like sitting with it for way too long. Mm -hmm. Like I think my own standards, it's kind of like, you know, if you're writing something technical, like you, you, if you stare at something for too long, like you can, not recognize it not see it freshly so mm-hmm. um i'm really preoccupied with that question about does this matter does this feel complete and i need to just put it out there get some external feedback earlier so yes yeah, so i'm still working on that saying same dang movie theater short story mm. but i'll be sending it to our workshop group this weekend so we'll see all right excited to read it excited to read this Hell yeah. Thank you, friend. What are you submitting this weekend for our workshop group? I have a story about a guy falling out of a plane that I am going to be submitting that that I've been slowly piecing together. It's, I I don't really, it's, you know, I want to give it a little more work before submitting, but it's almost at that, you know, draft that I would show to a workshop stage 
Like, cool. so incredibly unfinished. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the gist is there and you're ready for some external there, there's, thoughts. There's something to comment upon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Wicked. So yeah, uh, I, I and beginning tomorrow, it will start getting the love it so desperately needs. Um, this is the week. I'm just gonna replay me saying this is the week. <laughs> Every week, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> I'll just listen to this back and listen to me lie to the audio airwaves of, of the world. We will create. This, a, is, the this is the week supercut, <laughs> in which it, and then one week it will be the week. Um, yeah. Yes, yes, we're all rooting for it. We're all rooting for exactly. it. Exactly. And if you're not rooting for us, if you're rooting against us, not here for it. Turn that around. Honestly. I welcome the haters. Oh, okay. If, could we Bring please it. get a hater publicly? Like, not on our ratings, obviously. Yeah. That's precious to me. Yeah. But on our Twitter DMs, like, if you could send us some hate mail via DM, I'd appreciate it. That definitely uh, is a different kind of motivation. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you fuel us with rage, uh, that, we, we'll accept that, too. Spite <laughs> can be very effective. That's true. Spite can be very effective. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. Ben, let's hmm. get to it. There's nothing to it but to do it. Um, today, we are talking about uh, Megan Boyle's live blog, a 800-page. Um, it refers to itself as a novel on the very on the cover of it. I don't know if you can see that because the cover is kind of strange, but it mm-hmm. says a novel, so it, it mm-hmm. presents itself as being at least semi-fictionalized, but it is also partially memoir um, from the nature of what it is. And this was a time when in 2012, I believe she began, or maybe it was 2013. She started in 2013 and then went all the way to, I'm just going to look at the end. And it took place entirely in 2013. Um, It turns out it's just so dense. In 2013, (laughs) Megan Boyle decided to attempt to write down every single thing that happened to her, every single thing that she did, and down to the point of attempting to chronicle every single thought that occurred through her head that could be put into words. Um, Damn. You know, uh, obviously an impossible task, but one that I think she did as fully as any human being could do. And then she took that, and I believe it was originally on Tumblr. I want to say that's where this started, the project of Liveblog. Um, hmm. And she took that and later uh, brought that to New York Tyrant, the publisher, and condensed it in into a novel over what ended up being seven years. Um, it, it took her to turn this book into the book that we see before us because it came out in 2019, 2018. So it, it took a long time for her to actually do the editing process on it um, for various reasons in her life. Um, but she... But what results is an incredibly dense chronicling of a just portrait of a person. Um, Mm. A, you know, we, you come to know Boyle very intimately within the first few pages because of the very nature of the product project. It is immediately very raw, immediately attempting to not hide anything from the reader. It does not want it is trying to completely get rid of any sort of artifice that might separate the author from the reader, um, expressing that as directly as possible. 
And as a result of that is, you know, you come to know Megan Boyle very intimately, and she is a very funny person, a, a very kind person, a person who is trying to do the right thing in the world, and also a person who is very flawed, who is clearly dealing with addiction, and who is also, you know, tr just battling the, you know, the constant battle we all fight in attempting to understand love and her relationships to the people around her. Um, mm. and that, and that, and the experience of reading the book therefore is very, very fulfilling. Like it's a giant mm -hmm. thing, but it never, it's very fast. It doesn't slow you down ever because it, you know, it, it's already just feels like someone talking to you, but yeah, that's cool. I, I sent you a two page okay. segment, but yeah, please go ahead. I have a couple of questions mm -hmm. before we go to like actually looking at the craft on this, a small section that you sent me. Mm -hmm. Um, first question, what happens in the story? So, like, your description of that was really, um, I feel like, Ben, you're always, like, talking about how you feel like character is hard for you and you don't come to character naturally. But when mm. you talk about writing that you enjoy, you're always talking about character. <laughs> right. Have you noticed that? It feels that way. Like, yeah, I can hear that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're, you, so, so how you've described this, it sounds like it's a really good psychological study of the character mm. slash, slash nonfiction, potentially nonfiction author, mm -hmm. Megan Boyle. Um what happens is there a plot beyond that or is it really character exploration and it, the the happenings are kind of in the background to that uh the happenings are mostly in the background there are definitely moments where like it, i'd say there's a couple of stories in this there there's a night that stands out very much to me in which she does um she, she takes crack with a few of her friends and that's a very funny Ooh. moment in, in this book actually like i know that sounds harsh or whatever but like you know we, we if i had said cocaine we'd feel differently and that's you know its own problem like yeah yeah and, and yeah. it's you know she they they do crack and it they, they she just kind of tells the story of this night as it goes but it's it's just if there's anything that it's about it's about her coming to terms with herself like that's the story is the story is the character arc itself like for sure cool yeah mm -hmm. cool i mean that's what most even plot heavy stories are about is like character self-actualization yeah. right like that is what stories are yeah. like yeah. um so yeah but the format of like chronicling every day is gonna make it feel like less tight plot heavy mm -hmm. than, than than otherwise cool okay mm -hmm. um so 800 pages but it's really good voice so it just feels like it goes fast mm -hmm. um what uh i i guess like is it the section that you sent me is from pages like up to 375 three yeah 372 uh, to 375 is what i sent yeah just the so day the of may 16th was like yeah really in the middle i'm curious with such a voice heavy character is the voice really basically the same page one versus page 800 or does it feel like the voice changes very much uh, in the year? Voice is very consistent. Uh, vo voice is mm. definitely this throughout. I, I think that there's kind of a period pretty earlier in where she kind of figures out how she's writing it a, a little bit more. Like the, there's, you know, because for in, in the earliest part, she's trying to chronicle literally every single thing including the chronicling to a certain extent and then she realizes that that's just impossible and going to become recursive and pointless like so she she backs yeah. off from that and focuses more on the aspect of like 
what she does and then her own reactions to those things. Like, yeah. Cool. Um, okay, last question. How did you find this slash what was the critical reception? Um, what I remember, how did I find this? I, well, I think that I found this because I was just kind of following New York Tyrant, um, the publisher. Like, I, I just read some things from then. And then I saw when they announced this book in, like, 2014 or 2015 and then it just didn't come out for a long time so it felt <laughs> like it was just like this weird kind of thing that was floating around in the background of the alt lit scene for a while of like you know megan boyle's written this amazingly huge novel she's condensed live blog into this thing but we haven't seen it yet um and i think that's just kind of you know i was just watching its cycle kind of on twitter a little bit um but it, it came the critical reception, I believe, was relatively um, happy with it. I, I think, pe- like, it, it was received pretty well when it came out. I remember it was um, on, like, an AV Club article, had put it out about new memoirs of saying, like, that this is something worth reading. Um, mm. I, I think that it was generally enjoyed. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, this section you sent me was most definitely enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um I had such a good time. Yeah. I chuckled. I actually laughed so hard at a part of this that I'm sure we'll cover in a second yeah. that like my girlfriend was in, in like two rooms over and was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I'll tell you in a minute. <laughs> you know, um, it was a good, good chuckle. Good chuckle from this mm-hmm. Megan Boyle. Yeah. She, she's incredibly funny. But yeah, the, um, the, the thing that I want to talk about craft wise is kind of, you know, and I think this is, you know, obviously an extreme example because I like extreme examples. But the way that we bring the personal into the way that we write and the effect that that can have on our writing and the things that we are, you know, and the the way that that can ingratiate the reader, essentially, like the the way that being Mm -hmm. personal and kind of breaking down that wall between author and audience a little bit, it can be useful. Yeah. Like, yeah yeah vulnerability yeah. right vulnerability in writing mm-hmm. like gets people on your side yeah while they're reading yeah and, and i think like that that vulnerability like really specifically coming from the person and not just maybe writing in a vulnerable manner because sometimes we'll see a character be vulnerable but that doesn't mean the author is vulnerable in that moment like yeah interesting yeah interesting like, we, we can st- do you want to read it section um absolutely did did you have a section that you liked the that you want to bring up or if not i'm just going to kind of take something at random honestly because okay let me mm-hmm. tell everyone what made me laugh so hard mm-hmm. that my girlfriend was like i need to know even yeah. though she was three rooms over um i'll just keep increasing how many rooms over she was every time <laughs> this would be ever expanding house emily lives in house of leaves um <laughs> ah! so um, there is like a three page existential crisis mm-hmm. crisis in the middle of the section that Ben sent me. Mm-hmm. Um, it starts with like summarizing, uh, six also, by the way, it's like dated. Mm-hmm. So like this section that Ben sent me starts at midnight through to 11 AM. And then at starting at 631 AM, she has a three page existential crisis, um, typed 3000 word summary of everyday I've life blogged in Microsoft word document. E-cigarette, definitely broken. Want to drive to Maryland. Feels so hard to do this. I'm not even doing anything. Look at all that shit, all that summary shit. I'm not even doing anything. Okay, I'm gonna, it's three pages, so I'm gonna, like, cut down. Um, And then the existential crisis turns, like, low-key, potentially, maybe suicidal. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, 
I say stupid things I don't mean to help to help make something go by faster. It's not always like that. I'm not I'm not being realistic. I'm being dramatic. Just please read this and think she's just being she's being dramatic. If you think anything, don't think anything. Just keep going doing whatever else you are doing. I'm jealous of whatever else you are doing or whoever you are. I don't want to be this anymore. I don't want to do what what do people do? I already did therapy and it didn't work. Do I just I don't know. I should just try to not pay attention to thoughts like this and find something else to make me busy, I guess. It's always going to come back to this feeling, though. For years, I think since... I don't know. Actually, this is recent. I think for it to be happening to this degree. I think it started last summer. Wait, I don't know. The one before that. I don't remember. It wasn't always like this. I think I'm happy also. Sometimes I'm also happy. 7.47 a.m. Eight two milligrams of clonopin. That is what made me yeah. laugh. <laughs> oh <Yeah>. my god! <laughs> I was like riveting existential crises, which is probably also mm-hmm. a filtered anxiety spiral. And then eight two milligrams clonopin, mm-hmm. like so plainly stated. Well, clonopin is like um an anti anxiety anti anxiety medication that can some people also use recreationally, mm-hmm. um, as Ben's mentioned. Like, it seems like there's a lot of drug use. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, to go from, like, riveting existential crises, like, actually, like, embodied and thought out, and then to just, like, kind of change topic or dismiss it with, like, a plain statement of, like, and then I took an anti-anxiety medication. (laughs) (laughs) I laughed so hard. (laughs) And then the entire, like, live blog slows down. Like, the entire, like, process slows down because we no longer see this giant enormous text block anymore. It's now just separated out into individual little texts of just saying, Mm -hmm. okay, then I worked out a little bit. I picked up my skin. I did 50. I worked out a little bit more. My e-cigarette works again. Like, Mm -hmm. it's... You know, it, the, the, that movement is so important. And just on that, like, I think the including the inclusion of the times is such a great thing to, like, yes. l- look at when these moments occur for her. It, it gives so much to the character without even being prose. Like, mm-hmm. to know that this occurred at 6.31 a.m. after she had clearly been up all night because there's live blog updates from 12 to to 3 a.m., none of which are about sleeping, like, Mm -hmm. we can kind of see that this person has been, you know, been worked up to this moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's also, like, you know, I love it when our narrator lies or is, like, not fully Mm -hmm. aware of the truth. Mm -hmm. Um, It's also, like, there is a different section where she's like, huh, the drugs aren't really working, Mm -hmm. but, like, Due to the length of the sections, you can tell they actually are. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's what she says, and like I, I feel like the drugs aren't working. Yeah. Like. Yeah, uh, but it's like, no, they they definitely are. You went from three page to like one paragraph per hour. Yeah. You know? Like they're working. <laughs> yeah. One sentence per hour. They're working. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the anti-anxiety meds are definitely kicking in. But yeah, just like, and, and that big middle rant is, is I think kind of the crux of what we're going to end up talking about today, just because that's where most of the very interesting prose is in, in this section. Um, j- just because like, mm-hmm. it is that, that moment where you're talking about that ending of it when it's, you know, like I, I already did therapy and it didn't work again and it didn't work basically just from that sentence towards the end of that paragraph is such an ultimate moment of vulnerability of the author like talking to the audience you know 
while having just previously stated that they don't want the audience to think anything about this. They want this to just exist kind of flatly in front of mm-hmm. them. And, but then being so deeply revealing in that moment and trying to say, I am just being vulnerable, but I do not want response from that. Like, I am just trying to lay this bare is, I think... So, like not asking for judgment or not asking for interpretation or, or actively trying to reject it, it, it is such a like way of bringing in the audience so much closer to you because they now like at least I get from that like I definitely felt when reading that is like okay this person really is just trying to lay this out for themselves it, it, it's they don't mm-hmm. want us to interact with it they only want it to be like yeah yeah there truly isn't any, um, yeah, it feels, I mean, I'm sure that it is filtered and, and all that, but it does, it feels really raw. It feels like very much like, here is this thing I've been carrying. I'm going to keep carrying it. I don't ask you to carry it for mm-hmm. me. I'm, I'm, I'm still walking this way with this in my hands, mm-hmm. but isn't this weird? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's just examining it. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't ask us to do any work or interpretation, um, yeah yeah that's interesting yeah it it, and i like that it even almost goes to the point where it doesn't allow interpretation because it goes so far into the explanation of itself that it's just kind of like saying i've already interpreted this for you here is the interpretation Mm -hmm. the text is its own interpreter like because it's in conversation with itself like so okay push a little teeny pushback yeah I generally don't like being told what to think mm-hmm. about something when I'm reading, mm-hmm. especially when I'm reading fiction. Mm-hmm. Like I, I want to have space to interpret it and I want the author to have created a moment where I can interpret it mm-hmm. differently than mm-hmm. other people where, you know, you and I can look at the same, same scene and, and have different takeaways from mm-hmm. it. Um, so what's the, I, th- I think if, if this, if live blog was nothing but her, laying her thoughts out for herself mm-hmm. and interpreting it for us. Mm-hmm. I don't think it would work as well as this yeah. works. So what do you think? Like, how do you think? She, I think that she's balancing. Yeah. It, right. Yeah. It's push and um, pull. Like, yeah. Yeah. So tell me, like, I mean, if the whole 800 pages were like this three page, this three page mm-hmm. existential crises, we wouldn't be talking about it on this podcast. Yeah. Like, Because yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't be enough variety. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah, so can you speak to, like, how she, when she does stuff like this, how she, um, varies it, or, like, the other, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, what, what's the rest of it like? How is it framed? Well, it, it, it goes back to one of my favorite themes in these is, in writing in general, is just the internal versus the external, right? Like, Mm -hmm. there's these moments of deep interpretation of herself played against external moments that she in which she interacts with other people or does things in the physical world and and specifically those interactions with other people um like in this one we see one with her mother she is robbed of the ability to do that sort of ultimate ending interpretation of it she is because she's caught you know between herself and the other 
and the mm. the other presenting is presenting to itself and she can choose to believe that the other is telling the truth or that the other is lying or that she can discover that the other is lying and, and therefore it is resistant to her interpretation and then she becomes you know a locus of interpretation but it doesn't have that definitive nature in the way that moments like uh, this large existential crisis scene can have that sort of definitive you know understanding of an occurrence like um, Hmm. Yeah, and it's the way they move against each other that, that works so well um, throughout the piece. Um, you know, her, because we see her have these moments like this, and then we see her, you know, choose to do things as a result of this. There, There's a large, mo- there's a big part of this where she's trying to get a heavy vehicles license to become a truck driver. Um, that okay. That's a l- big part of the book and kind of a thing that comes and goes throughout that she can't ever fully commit to. But there are, like, times when she's studying for the test and she's, like, thinking about, like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make my mom happy. I'm going to make my mother proud because there's a lot of love for her mom throughout this as well. She That's, like, the big motivating force in her life, it feels like. Um, yeah, it, it's it's really beautiful. Like, the, the relationship that they have is very sweet. Like, yeah, and it's, it's yeah, good. Yeah, I actually really yeah. liked it in this section, too. <laughs> it was very heartwarming, and I think we should talk about yeah. it in a minute. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Like, yeah, and it's, you know, that the the ways that she uses these moments of internal unsuredness or internal, like, you know, her own emotional state drive uh, the these larger outward expressions and, and things that she ends up doing in the novel. And it's, you know, that that combination is very, very entertaining to read and very, very, very heartfelt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you want to go to that moment about the mom, we totally can. Yeah. Okay. I really want to go to the moment about the mom. Yeah. So, so when she's feeling, I think maybe suicidal, mm-hmm. low grade suicidal, um, depressed for she sure. She thinks, yeah. Definitely depressed. She says, like, she thinks she's been thinking about driving to Maryland, which mm-hmm. is where she's from. Mm-hmm. And then she dri- decides to drive to Maryland. And then she, it when she arrives, she pulls into a parking space at her mom's house. Um, thoughts in car were mostly what could I have done differently and why am I doing this and will someone be mad at me for doing this a little that looks interesting and why isn't e-cigarette working and I don't feel effects from the pills I ate and am I hungry I am hungry so like thoughts in the car like I just like how she uses space and location to like even though this is sounds nonfiction mm-hmm. like I really like her use of space and location to like set the mood mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so like existential crisis in the car and then she goes inside and her mom is watching the second to last episode of the office and the mom says you have to watch the last office episode with me it's mm-hmm. the farewell episode mm-hmm. and she just sits on the couch and, and they talk about the office and it's goofy and cheerful cheerful and her mom kind of cries about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then she goes to pick up takeout and everyone else is watching the office. And it's just like pulling her out of herself. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And also it's like, I think a character stumbling into the end of something else, mm-hmm. even if it's not super relevant to what they've been doing, mm-hmm. makes that more poignant. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's the farewell episode of a beloved TV show. Yeah where were you when you watched that episode, right? Like, it's it's adding a certain level of um, meaning to mm-hmm. what she's doing, even though it's not related to The Office. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Like, yeah, it, it just brings her into the... Like, like you said, it brings her out of herself and into this space with other people. Like, she, she's no longer alone right now. She's with her mother. And, and to a certain extent with the people at the Thai food restaurant as well because of this shared connection. Yeah. Like, uh, I also want to say, if you... If anyone... Like, a best practice if you're, like trying to hang out with someone who you know is depressed mm-hmm. is don't like bring up their depression like mm-hmm. don't don't like be like where have you been you haven't been texting me back you're super depressed why aren't you getting better be like hey i'm watching the office you want to take out you know like just do an activity like a low stakes activity with them that will bring them out of themselves and if they want to talk about the depression they can mm-hmm. but like this i don't know if the mom's like just casually doing her or if this is intentional but like this is a best practice if you're talking to somebody who's depressed mm-hmm absolutely like because like she says that thing where she hugged me hard and asked if i was sick knew i wasn't but felt my face look like maybe like you know (laughs) i said no i'm just not feeling so good which means sick um yeah Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) she hugged me again and said you have to watch the farewell office just like come on let's go be away from that feeling like yeah yeah this mom knows what to do yeah yeah (laughs) It made me so heartwarming. Yeah, absolutely. And there, there's a lot of that throughout the entire book. They, they, their relationship is one of those key factors. Like, yeah, it, it's it, it's just really good. Um, and, and it just, it feels like you can come to know someone through this vulnerability, e- even without ever knowing them. Like, you know, I if I ever met Megan Boyle, I wouldn't want to act like I knew her, like, because I don't. Like, um uh, some of those freaks on the internet probably do, yeah. I bet. Yeah, I'm sure that has happened. You're, pro- you're, you're sadly probably correct. Yeah, like, yeah. With with every celebrity, yeah. too, right? People yeah, think they're more familiar than they are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, okay, so I really liked the vulnerability of the existential crisis. Mm-hmm. And I liked it more because of the contrast mm-hmm. of, like, in-scene moments mm-hmm. that we do have more space to interpret Mm -hmm. like with the she hugged me harder and said you're watching the last episode of the office like she doesn't interpret that for us she lets us interpret it it's in scene like a fiction prose moment would be um and so i liked her interpreted for us vulnerability moment Mm -hmm. more because it wasn't the only tool she had yeah yeah, absolutely. I, I think you're 100 percent correct about that. Yeah, like it, it is. It is the push and pull. It, it is through those moments only work when in which we are reach the limit of interpretation because there are moments that don't. I, I think you're right. Yeah, like 100 mm. percent. Mm. But okay, mm-hmm. so why does it matter? Like the vulnerability, not just being a character, but mm-hmm. like. This is Megan Boyle. This yeah. is autofiction, baby. Yeah. Um, why does that matter? Because what? How much more warmly do you feel about Megan Boyle than you would about if you knew it was an invented character? Because knowing... Because that makes me feel less alone. Like, and maybe I'm speaking personally here, but like... Mm-hmm. A character going through depression is not as relatable for me as a real human being going through depression. And even if this is a characterized version of a human being, I know that it has its basis in reality of, like, you know, I have felt that. The, like, thing, that final sentence on there, like, I don't remember, it wasn't always like, like this, I think I'm happy also, sometimes I'm also happy... 
that is one of those things where it's like knowing that that is coming from a person to another person myself who has felt that way like that that is always going to give that more meaning than an imagined person doing that per se Mm -hmm. like yeah Mm -hmm. yeah because and i also think like i can't see a world in which you write that for a character per se but i can see a world in which you write that as nonfiction or as autofiction like hmm. i i think that 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 level only comes from dealing with the true messiness of the thoughts that are inside of your own head and the constructed thoughts inside of a character's head can never get that messy cuz they just don't have the weight of having lived for 30 years or something like that like yeah i also think like characters internal dialogues are usually less Mm self-contradictory right Mm -hmm. like a real human i think my i know when i'm constructing a character i'm struggling to develop them much less to make them Mm self-contradictory like real humans are sometimes Mm -hmm. um hmm. i love that so i think this is definitely related to last episode Mm -hmm. or checkoff episode when we talk so much about like how much should you think about how the reader will respond to your writing while you're writing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, here, did you want to... Yeah. No, I want you to go. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, I mean, it definitely is, because, like, I don't think Megan Boyle was for a single second concerned what anyone thought about any of this, or else it would be impossible to write it in the first place. Like, you... Yeah. You, I, I know I brought this book up during that Chekhov episode as, I think, a great example of someone who isn't concerned about an audience's interpretation or an audience's expectation because it's you know there are large sections of this like where it's you know her just kind of talking about like oh i went to the gas station i bought this many candy bars i went back home and i ate the candy bars and that like feeds into the character itself but it's not you know it's a very like common thing and it's written in this kind this flattened style that she has where it's attempted to like be delivered without like emotional content to it just to a as like an objective like just chronicling of the experience like and i don't i don't think that you would write something like that i don't i also don't think that you could write something that's 800 pages long while ever thinking about a reader because girl yeah like (laughs) (laughs) just rude yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's it's uh yeah you're not you're not too worried about how i mean maybe you know this is different Mm in genre fantasy Mm -hmm. genre i know those Mm -hmm. books are often 800 plus pages um but yeah man like that's uh it's a lot of that's a lot of pages (laughs) 800 pages of not plot heavy sword and sorcery action every other page sort of thing but just the like meanderings of a human life that's it's a it's a big ask for the reader like yeah yeah but, I mean, it's just gorgeous to contrast the straightforward, I ate this many milligrams of that, mm. or heavy traffic, or Colin texted me XYZ, mm-hmm. like, plainness, directness, mm-hmm. to that internal dialogue, and also that great of a scene. Yeah. 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 Uh, absolutely. Like, and mm. we only get there through that. Like, it is only through its length that we can have those moments, I think. It it, it earns its 800 pages, for sure. Like, you, you can't write live blog as a 300. Well, 
I will say there is a companion book to this called um mm. it's not by her and I, I consider them companions myself um called literally show me a healthy person which is another yeah. piece of auto fiction is semi um and who who wrote literally show me a healthy person i haven't read that in a long time uh darcy wilder wrote that um and, mm. and that is a like 100 page slim little volume uh, dealing with similar themes uh, of a woman attempting to like you know come to terms with herself and understand herself and, and deal with you know the problems that she has faced except I would say it's much more biting and depressing than live blog is like hmm. e- even though it is also very funny um, but it but it definitely deals with a similar thing in a much smaller form but I, I don't think you can do live blog without the without the page count yeah. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I don't... I loved the heck out of this section, Ben. And I'm... I don't even know how to speculate on how I would respond to doing 800 pages of it. I'll tell you, it doesn't feel like 800 pages. Like, you know, it, it really doesn't. Like, it, it's quick. It all it all reads like this. You're not going to get caught up on sentences. She keeps a pretty clipped style throughout. You know, she, she kind of avoids... Um, she avoids articles a lot, which makes reading a lot faster. You just get noun verb phrases. Like, yeah. Shockingly lack of articles. Yeah. 10.32 p.m. Watching The Office on demand with mom. Mm-hmm. Like, not my mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lack of articles there. Yeah, yeah, and, and it just you know, and, and you'll just go through it. it it's uh, I will tell you, like you really enjoyed this section. I picked this section at random. I flipped open. No, you did I not. Picked it completely at random. I, I flipped open the book and said and just found us like the only thing I searched for was a day that was shorter. Like because some days are like go on for pages and pages for sure the more eventful they are, but I just chose this one. I'm like, okay, good. This is four pages long. It's one day. I'm just going to send this over. I'll read it after I send it to her. Like, yeah. Damn. Yeah. To to be at this level in a random, random extract, mm-hmm. you, Megan Boyle ate. Yeah. She got this. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Megan Boyle. Yeah. It's, it's one wow. of the good books. It's, it's honestly, I think one of the best books to probably come out in the last 20 years um if not longer like definitely of the 21st century one of the best books that we've achieved so far i have a ton of respect for this work like yeah i do think the subject matter of like moment by moment minute by minute ticking of what did i do mm-hmm. is like a a very modern mm-hmm. subject matter mm-hmm. um it's an extremely online subject mm-hmm. matter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's extremely tech-heavy subject matter. You know, like before technology, I wouldn't know if it was three twenty-two a.m. versus three forty a.m. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I do think it's a bit very, very specifically twenty-first century subject matter. Mm-hmm. Okay, Ben. Yeah. Writing exercises. What prompts and exercises do we pull out of this? I would say the thing to pull out of this as an exercise is to journal more. It is to take more time to understand yourself. I know I've made similar suggestions on, on like our Jarrett Kobeck episode, but but it is really finding that self understanding and finding the place where you stand. Before that was in relation to politics, but I would say journal and find yourself in relationship to yourself. Attempt mm-hmm. to understand the person that you that you are, so that because that person is going to show up to your reader no matter what. So. 
being able to know who you are so you know what you are showing them it is i think a very valuable tool to have like just yeah write down your thoughts write down yourself and try to keep track of yourself is i think not just a good thing to do for your writing but maybe just a healthy thing to do overall like yes and also like this is this section was a little bit of a moment of crisis Mm -hmm. crises for her but wow i keep mispronouncing that a moment of crises for her but um it's useful like in non non high stakes moments too mm-hmm. um i have a completely less deep prompt from this and it's put like the finale of something unrelated in the background of your scene Mm-hmm. So this scene with the mom where it's the finale of the office and they're talking about like what the office has meant to them and like the takeout shop is also the food the, the food restaurant also has the office playing like I really think that that elevated how momentous this, mm-hmm. the moment felt. So put the finale the of something un, mostly unrelated mm-hmm. in the background of one of your scenes and does that elevate the scene? What does that add to the scene? In this case the finale of the office was really fitting for a wholesome moment for a wholesome family show. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's a great idea. And you, and I feel like you see that in other stories sometimes too, with like stuff like it, it using this as the example of like, this is like a small F finale, right? I feel like usually when you hear about something like that, it's like either like, Oh, it turns out it was the end of world war two or that world war one oh, yeah. had just started. <laughs> like things like those big <laughs> moments are the backgrounding. So taking something smaller, like she does here and using that as like an emotional anchor is a really good idea. Yeah. 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 Cultural moment f- finales don't, aren't necessarily all quiet on the Western front. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't need to be the end of a world war uh, exactly. for it to count as something that would elevate the moment <laughs> yeah 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 you're, you're very good at focusing in on those small things i, I love that like and the man way i am a f- fiction writer through and through i'm out here like what are the tricks how can i make my boring scene a little bit more meaningful <laughs> <laughs> oh man you don't write boring scenes don't worry about that. Oh, you don't see my first draft spin. <laughs> That's why you don't write boring scenes. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, um, absolutely recommend this book highly like to everyone listening. And yeah, journal and find those finales. Fi- fi- put a finale in the background of something. See how that changes stuff. Love it. Yeah. Also, shout out to Megan Boyle for doing her 15 minutes a day and then some. It was not only the week for Megan Boyle, it was the year for Megan Boyle. Is that... She put a lot of pen to paper. She really did. She she was on this the entire time. Yeah. She wore out that keyboard keypads. I bet the space bar has his little... Like the nooch, yeah, discoloration like, on it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the E is completely gone, yeah. <laughs> detritus of a of a live blog (laughs) (laughs) oh man but yeah if you if you feel good i feel good moving forward and i I feel good this is a good choice thank you for exposing me to this i think i would have been intimidated to pick up 800 pages on my own but god if this was really just a random sample and i liked it this much i think i'm coming for you megan boyle so go for it dude yeah definitely go for it yeah um but yeah um so what else has been going on i know you mentioned a switch game earlier 
Yeah, okay, so my recommendation this week mm-hmm. um, is the uh, the video game. I think it was originally on, like, Computies. Okay. It's a pretty low-tech okay. platform. Um, it's called The Return of the Obra Den. Ooh, okay, yeah. It's an independently... Re- independently made independently released video game um i it was also like very affordable it was like 20 dollars download onto my switch mm-hmm. um and it's a murder mystery sort of mm-hmm. so the plot is you are an insurance adjuster and a big ship has rolled into is it called harbor um empty mm-hmm. and so you are sent out to figure out what happened to all the crew passengers of this of the ship and you have a magic compass i don't know why it's a compass Mm -hmm. where if you discover a corpse you can open your magic compass and then you'll like see you'll be transported to like exactly the moment that that person died Mm -hmm. and then within those flashbacks you can like go to the the other corpses that you see in that flashback um and it's really cool visually. It's like Stipple, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Return of the Oberdin, an independently released video game um, with a murder mystery element, and it's visually interesting. Yeah, because it's like, and like everyone on the boat is dead, right? And you're trying to figure, and there's like 80-something people or something like that. Like it's this huge number of like individual parts of the mystery you're trying to find out. like yeah. Dead or missing. Yeah. And But like some of it's like you'll like flashback and like Mm -hmm. you'll see the person currently being shot by a different person Mm -hmm. you could say like being shot by by this guy guy. yeah like some of them are easy Mm -hmm. um but yeah some of them are pretty tricky and you gotta go like behind the behind the corner and Ah, yeah it's super fun that's super fun that's cool yeah hell yeah i've wanted to play that for a while that's definitely on my list so like yeah excellent excellent glad glad you're digging it yeah Uh, yeah it's also a surprisingly you know like i posted about it when I was still using my Instagram, I posted about it on my Instagram and like people who don't seem to play a lot of video games, like picked it up, mm-hmm. tried it and like, were like obsessed with mm-hmm. as obsessed with it as I was for a bit. Nice. Nice. Super accessible. Good. Good. Hell yeah. That, that's a great one. His, the guy that made that Lucas Pope, uh, also did a game called, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, papers, please. I don't know if you, did you ever I've play heard that? About Papers, Please. Yeah. I think you told me about okay. Papers, Please, yeah. or maybe the person who originally recommended The Return of the Oprah Den, my friend Dave, might have told me about it. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Another yeah. great play, another great uh, thing in his collective about uh, letting people into Soviet Russia or not <laughs> is generally <laughs> what that seems to be about. Um, yeah. Great, great stuff. Great rec. Um, I will say my recommendation for the week is Jackass Forever. Uh, if you, with the caveat of if you like Jackass, um, you know, if, if you're not gonna like, if you already know you don't like Jackass, you're not gonna like Jackass forever. If you like (laughs) Jackass, you're gonna fucking love Jackass forever. It's more, it's more of the same. It's more of the stuff. They're as hilarious as ever. They keep hitting each other despite being old. Um, they, they do bring in a couple of new young people. Uh, to be in the cast to do some of the more dangerous stunts that Johnny Knoxville and Steve-O are a little too brittle to undertake themselves, so that's good to see. There, there is a woman of female jackasses now in in the mix. Uh, a lady? Yes, there, there is a lady jackass that has joined them. And she... Madam ass herself. <laughs> it's, it's just, you know, it's just great. Do, are you a jackass fan or no? 
Never actually watched it. Very, very, um, where to slip my mind? Sensitive to gruesome things. Mm -hmm. Squeamish. Mm -hmm. I'm very squeamish. So, like, the risk of someone getting injured also... Okay, that sets that off. Yeah, like... A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's because it's like, it's... They never get hurt that bad. Like, it's not that insane in any of them. Like, but... You know, if you're also... There's a very early... Light spoilers for Jackass, if that's something you could do. There's a very early scene in it in which Steve-O places the uh, queen bee from a hive onto his penis. And then the entire hive, like, just kind of swarms around him. And they're not stinging him entirely, but they're all up on him. And it's it's intense. So if that doesn't sound good, you're not going to be into it. Yeah. (laughs) I'm so happy you found something that sparks joy for you, Ben. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, me, the thing is, here's the thing. I'm not even the OG Jackass fan of this. Fran got me into Jackass. Like, yeah, your wife yeah. is a Jackass fan. She is, <laughs> she is the one for it. So it, it's, um, it, it was a great time. I recommend it if you, if you like Jackass and haven't seen it. So, yeah. You're an amazing couple. Yeah. A power couple. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, that's 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 my rec for the week. <laughs> Very cute. Well, Ben, this is the week for us. We are doing our We're fifteen doing minutes a day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've got workshop. Mm-hmm. This is happening. Mm-hmm. This is happening starting tomorrow. Starting um, tomorrow, because it's it's I'm sleepy. <laughs> it's sleepy o'clock. Uh, well, thanks everybody for listening to this episode of the Good Writing Podcast. Excellent. Thank you all so much. Rate and review us five stars on iTunes or wherever you listen to mm-hmm. us. No, we're not. We're done asking for we're rates done. and reviews. Okay. It's not working. Okay. It's over. <laughs> giving up. I'm They'll rate I'm us if they want to rate us. Write down to remember to clip that. But um, <laughs> or we could just have the discussion on the air. You know. Yeah, um, that's true. We could also say you didn't rate and review us, though. So you forced us to cut this from the minutes of our podcast. Forced <laughs> <laughs> us to cut oh, this minute of our podcast, uh. but. uh we're glad you're here. Thanks for listening. Yeah. And if you want to send us a quick tweet, we're at Good Writing Pod. Um, if you want to tweet us every single day saying if you did your 15 minutes of writing that day or not, we won't be opposed to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and eventually we might reach out to you to say, wait a minute, we didn't hear from you on Sunday. Where's your 15? <laughs> <laughs> and if, if you've got a longer note for us, we have an email at goodwritingpodcast at gmail.com. Yes, please. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. Have a good week. All right. A couple of seconds of silence. Okie dokie. What are we clapping on? It it was you this time. (laughs) 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 Twas Emily. (laughs) All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, 15. Clap them.